0: The CNBC app. Global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected. Stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. A uh, very warm welcome to Squatbox here on CNBC. We are, of course, live here at the NATO summit in Vilnius, Lithuania. And Karen and Juliana in our London headquarters. These are your headlines. So NATO leaders have supported Ukraine's push to become a member of the alliance. But, and it's a big but, they're stopping short of issuing an invitation. The German defense minister telling CNBC Kyiv will have to wait until the conflict ends. The future of of Ukraine is in NATO. So there's no doubt about it.
1: And all the other issues have to be talked about when the war is
0: over. Uh, The Ukrainian president was notably disappointed. Uh, Volodymyr Zelensky hitting out, basically calling the delays absurd. Uh, This ahead of key bilateral meetings uh, between Ukraine and top NATO nations today.
2: In corporate news, Activision shares gain after a judge greenlights Microsoft's bid to buy the Game Maker in a knock to the US competition watchdog, while UK authorities seem to soften their opposition to the deal.
3: Wall Street closes in the green with the S&P 500 and the Nasdaq within 1% of their 52-week highs as investors count down to today's key CPI report.
2: Good morning everyone the second day of nato rolling on and a huge day that we kicked off yesterday as we were talking about sweden joining nato the big question now of course is what happens with ukraine what the time frame looks like as there's been a reluctance from leaders to put an actual time on this invitation to join the group what we've got on the ground live arrivals again this morning and you can see officials waiting to roll out to the welcome to those leaders on day two But of course, there have been many leaders that have stopped to speak to Steve over the last 24 hours or so. We've had plenty of conversations and uh, no doubt there will be some more this morning. So uh, keep watching for many of these live moving pieces. In the meantime, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky has criticized NATO for not providing a clear time frame for when Ukraine can join the alliance calling the decision unprecedented and absurd. NATO leaders said in an official declaration that Ukraine's future was in the military alliance but came short of extending an official invitation to join. Zelensky said the decision was giving Russia motivation to quote, "...continue its terror." During a speech in Vilnius, he also urged NATO leaders not to waste time, saying membership would make the whole group stronger the ukrainian president is expected to meet nato leaders on the second day of the alliance summit in vilnius He is also expected to hold bilateral talks with u.s president joe biden and other leaders to discuss weapons and ammunition this after the u.s agreed to provide cluster munitions to ukraine while france announced it will supply new cruise missiles well, let's get out to steve more steve And one of the big issues here is that NATO typically does not allow a member country to join NATO when there is a frozen conflict. And one of the issues is that this conflict continues to roll on with no end in sight. So the big question is when Ukraine could possibly join NATO as a result.
0: Yeah, you make very valid points, Karen. And I would just add to that, this is not just a frozen conflict, it is a very hot conflict as well, of course, with tens of thousands of uh, casualties on either side of that conflict as well. So if they were, obviously, to allow them into NATO straight away, and you'll excuse me for being distracted, I'm always just looking over my uh, left shoulder, of course, to see if anyone's uh, turning up. But yeah, look, um, if they were to allow Ukraine into the organisation now, then that would de facto under Article 5, as you say, uh, mean that an attack on one is an attack on all. So unlikely now. I think what Mr Uh, Zelensky is clearly looking for is a clear invitation post-conflict as well and that is something that NATO isn't willing to give at the moment, despite the fact that the communique, and I'll just pull out one or two more lines from it said that Ukraine's future is in NATO they pledge an extended invitation when allies agree and conditions are met. In terms of conditionality of course, uh, it is about uh, some of the same issues actually that that the EU has, i.e. you've got to clean up your country, clean up your corruption issues as well, but also for NATO, on the military side, is about interoperability as well, which uh, they've admitted that uh, Ukraine has made an enormous stride on as well. Uh, they recognise that Ukraine's full uh, Euro-Atlantic integration has to move beyond, has moved beyond a map. So they've taken out one of the conditions, and the map is, as I said to viewers yesterday, a membership action plan as well. So they've said, look, you don't have to do that, just like the Swedes didn't, just like the Finns didn't as well, uh, but we just can't do this just yet because we don't want to inflame the war even further. And of course, we have seen uh, Mr. Peskov over in the Kremlin uh, making some comments about how things would be exacerbated if indeed uh, Ukraine were to be offered uh, NATO membership as well. It's it's been the talking point, as you can imagine, amongst all these leaders. I spoke to uh, last count about a dozen world leaders yesterday, uh, plus defence ministers, plus foreign ministers as well. But one of the gentlemen I spoke to was uh, Krišjānis Karins, who is the Prime Minister of Latvia. And I just asked him the straight up question, are they going to be offered membership at this meeting? Let's listen to what he said. I don't think that will happen, uh, also under any
3: circumstances. It's quite clear, everyone around the table, uh, uh, when we're speaking publicly and privately, everyone is on the same page. Ukraine uh, will be uh, in NATO. Uh, and it's a question of how quickly and what the steps are. My reading also of today's uh, decision in the communique is that it is definitely a step in the right direction. Is it as fast uh, as, say, I would want? Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, But is it uh, a step in the right direction? Yes, it absolutely is.
0: So, sir, you're a politician, you understand these things way better than I do. What is holding up the invite to Ukraine then?
3: Well, uh, there's this little uh, thing called an ongoing war uh, in Ukraine. The
0: invite at the end of the war. So when Ukraine ends this war, which, of course, they can't have an invite during uh, a NATO ascendancy. After the war, will they be a member almost immediately? uh i'm convinced that after a, after the war they will be
3: a member now uh how that process uh, happens that's there, there, there's a lot of unknowns uh, in that but the signal i think coming from around the nato table is quite unequivocally clear the direction is set uh, the support and the unequivocal support for ukraine right now monetary pledges, military uh, pledges, weapons, ammunition, this is all ongoing. And if maybe uh, you could say the collective West was a little slow off the draw uh, when the war started and only a small handful of us were supplying weapons before the attack, including Latvia, Uh, now since that time, uh, the, the, the posture has changed. We've seen uh, countries such as Germany which had uh, 50 years of pacifism as their ruling uh, uh, conviction uh, it changed. They're now uh, going to be at 2% uh, starting next year. They're putting in hundred billion into that fund and they're starting to enact it. So this is a big game changer and it's going to be quite profound because that's the, that's the, the wonderful thing about democracies. Sometimes we're a little slow But once we get our act together, and we have our act together, uh, it is a machine which is, uh, uh, it's it's not going to stop.
0: So that was very interesting coming from the Latvian Prime Minister and as you'll notice I asked him very specific questions about the ability and the will of some of the larger nations including Germany uh, to get to the 2% target and to spend the kind of money that has been promised as well. I actually called uh, a couple of uh, questions with the, the German Defence Minister as well Boris Pistorius as well because Germany as I'm sure our viewers were now and uh, US are the nations, the largest nations would are most concerned about what the ramifications would be if an Uh, invite was extended into NATO for Ukraine now as well. So I asked some pretty blunt questions uh, to Boris Pistorius about Germany's position on Ukraine ascendancy. Let's listen in. We always have been
1: saying that the future of of Ukraine is in NATO. So there's no doubt about it. And all the other issues have to be talked about when the war is over. You can't really negotiate about uh, about the membership and the, and the, assessor, the uh, assistance no, um, or the membership of, of Ukraine and NATO while the war is going on. So you have to to wait for this moment, and then we have to do it quickly, of course. But of course, uh, at the same time, certain preconditions has to be fulfilled. This is quite normal; nobody can really question that. But Germany wants Ukraine in NATO. We always emphasize that, and I, as, at least from my point of view, uh, I see I, it's my point of view, yes.
2: We now have movement on the ground today. Jens Stoltenberg, the Secretary General of NATO, has arrived and has been uh, just seen walking into the venue this morning. You can see these live pictures now and of course a lot of waiting officials and waiting media inside but it uh, was a, a huge conversation yesterday about the security of NATO a lot of European countries that had not spent enough on defense in recent years having a very big wake-up call and then of course the communicate talking about the future and what the next threat could be including China so I thought there was a lot in it in terms of just the discussion points for NATO clearly front and center is Ukraine at this point and how we solve that crisis but uh, let me Let me just toss it back out to Steve, who is on the ground there and no doubt spotting some of these live movements on the ground, Steve.
0: Yeah, thanks, Karen. Yeah, uh, Jens Stoltenberg just going into uh, the right of our camera point here as well. We have seen some very interesting uh, people coming through already, including the leader uh, of the opposition in exile uh, from Belarus as well. So it's very interesting to see her walking through past the camera point as well. Look, um, we talked a lot about Zelensky and and his concern about what the optics are and what the reality is as well. And I'll just repeat one line from uh, uh, Zelensky of yesterday. It seems that there is no readiness in either to invite us to NATO nor to to make it a member of the alliance. For Russia, this means motivation to continue its terror. I think that was a line actually you picked up in one of the reads earlier. Uh, And I just add the line from yesterday, he said absurd uh, and unprecedented. But that's not what I'm hearing from the entire Ukrainian delegation. Of course, he's the president, he's got to keep banging the drum for that as well. But it's very interesting. I listened into a conversation with the Ukrainian foreign minister, Kaleba yesterday. And indeed, I was part of a conversation with Reznikov, who is the defense minister yesterday. And actually, their tone was markedly different. actually quite supportive of the kind of weaponry that is getting uh, to ukraine as well and the timely fashion of that as well i i, I mean i've had some amazing conversations and i i was standing uh, in, a, in a small press huddle with the danish um defense minister the um netherlands uh, defense minister and and mr Reznikov himself the uh, ukrainian defense minister and just talking about uh, delivery uh, of weapons but also talking about the training for f-16 pilots as well and he was Asked about the, the time frame. So, look, every time we've been told we can't train quickly enough on various devices, whether it's artillery, whether it's weaponry, whether it's tanks, we have done it very, very quickly as well. So, he thinks actually there could be a, a shortened time frame for getting a Ukrainian F 16 pilots fully trained as well. But I asked Mr. Reshnikov, um, what about. And I'll just just tell you now, before we get to that bit of sound, that Ursula von der Leyen uh, has come through uh, to our camera point as well. I'm just going to get Mike to pan around because uh, Ursula von der Leyen is about to make a short speech, I understand. Good
4: morning. So it's a pleasure to be here in Vilnius (coughs) Vilnius, as a partner to NATO. Um, We are now more than 500 days into a horrible war that Russia unleashed against its peaceful neighbor, Ukraine. More than 500 days of suffering for the Ukrainian people, but also more than 500 days of impressive resilience, courage, and bravery of the Ukrainian people. And we are also here to show very clearly and send a message that the European Union stands by Ukraine. We have supported Ukraine In the last 16 months, while this war is raging intensively, be it financially, by mobilising 70 billion euros financial support, we give shelter to 4 million Ukrainians, and we have delivered military equipment in an unprecedented manner into an active war zone. Just this week, the European Union has adopted a bill to scale up the production of ammunition Um, very much needed, the goal is to have one million rounds to produce one million rounds within the next 12 months. We have one important contribution also to make for Ukraine's wish, not only to be a member of the European Union but also to join NATO. Indispensable for that are reforms, strengthening of the institutions, and uh, the fight, for example, against corruption. And here the European Commission is intensively working together with Ukraine to do these reforms. It is amazing to see the speed at which Ukraine is reforming despite this war. One thing is clear, this horrible war changes Europe's face forever. We see Finland joining NATO, Sweden joining NATO. Congratulations again to Sweden for this success. And um, we see also that uh, everybody has understood that this is more than the war that Russia unleashed against Ukraine. It is about the question who we are and what the rules are globally. We do never want to accept that might makes right. We are determined to defend the international law, the UN Charter, And this is what unites us here in Vilnius.
0: Commission President, are delays to EU and NATO membership uh, doing what Vladimir Zelensky says, giving motivation to Russia to continue its terror, uh, should we not actually give accelerated timeframes to both NATO membership and indeed EU membership?
4: The speed at which um, Ukraine is advancing in the EU membership, and that's the only one I can speak about as... Commission President, um, is amazing. It's impressive. It is a merits based process, and we see the uh, enthusiasm and the intensity with which Ukraine is reforming and thus advancing rapidly towards EU membership. So I'm very confident that if they keep on going, keeping this speed, that um, success will be there soon. And it is an impressive example to show that uh, you can move forward fast in EU membership if you fulfill the necessary conditions.
0: Very interesting uh, hearing the the first answer to the first question, uh, CNBC question about the accelerated time frame uh, which Um, Ukraine can join both NATO and EU hearing the Commission President Ursula von der Leyen who spoke to me about this very issue at the uh, Ukraine Recovery Conference in London just a couple of weeks ago but uh, she says that what has been done by Ukraine is incredibly impressive and actually they have shown what can be done and she was also of course uh, celebrating the fact that um, two EU nations uh, Finland and Sweden have both now made it into NATO and we can just recap on the, the latter of those two, because Finland, of course, had a relatively smooth accession uh, into NATO, whereas Sweden, this was delayed, of course, they announced it uh, in early summer, late spring last year, but it was held up, held up pretty much by the fact that Turkey uh, had problems with um, um, the stance towards um, terrorism uh, in the Turkish eyes, of course, and attitudes towards the Swedes to uh, the Kurdistan Workers' Party, the PKK. But of course, what we have seen in the last uh, 48 hours is uh, Recep Erdogan actually just coming round to saying, okay, they will ratify that uh, Swedish bid as well. So it's very interesting to see um, that movement on that.
4: So I'm just gonna
0: carry on talking because um, uh, Frau von der Leyen is still speaking in German at the moment. And uh, as much as our viewers are a multilingual bunch, I think that we should probably just uh, wait for an English translation of that. But it's very interesting. I mean, what you've got to remember is the first few times I met Ursula von der Leyen. She was the defense minister of Germany under Frau Merkel. And of course, if anyone is a living example of the turnaround in attitude towards German, uh, towards Russia, it is uh, Frau von der Leyen who uh, had many accusations pointed at her yeah, and was, uh, the lack of preparation for German theory armament theory during that period. roadmap. just
4: want to
0: listen in again um, to Ursula von der Leyen, now speaking again.
4: Uh, earlier this year, And we call on both parties to de-escalate and to follow up this roadmap. This is absolutely vital um, to move forward in a peaceful manner. And uh, it is clear that um, both parties uh, have to deliver on what has been agreed in the Thank you.
0: That was uh, Ursula von der Leyen uh, speaking to the press corps gathered here and indeed, of course, uh, taking the first question uh, from CNBC. So just mentioning, if anyone is a living embodiment of the ch- turnaround uh, in attitudes towards Russia, I-, I think Ursula von der Leyen is a great example. Defence minister in Germany from 2013 to 2019, under Frau Merkel, whose policy of bringing uh, Russia into the economic system rather than having some form of military confrontation. Uh, Good to be here for the second day of this. Let's uh, just...
5: Sunday, forward to listen to president, uh, president Zelensky. listening good, to uh, yet another uh, present, uh, speaker here and, and i think from a symbolic point of view I it is noticed, incredibly it? important to have him here at this nato summit here in the, uh, in the in in the baltics we also see that uh, the ukrainian flag here it is a symbol for much more than ukraine it is a symbol for uh, for freedom for democracy and and we're really looking forward to to listen to him listen, uh, looking forward also to uh, announcements that will be made Potentially on security guarantees. Looking forward to what the G7 countries are going to uh, to say about that. Uh, we know that besides the discussion on an invitation uh, of Ukraine uh, joining uh, NATO at at one point, the short-term security guarantees obviously are what is what is important and what will help them to uh, to win the war eventually. Yes. No, not at all. Um, I, I think this. Uh, this summit from a symbolic point of view is incredibly important for him to be present here at the NATO summit if he would have said that two years ago no one would have uh, no one would have believed that um, as I said I think the invitation on being part of NATO and and being part of NATO it's clear that Ukraine at some point will be part of, uh, of NATO is a very important message to be given security guarantees on the short term is really what it is all about. It's those security guarantees that will help Ukraine to win the war. And winning the war, well, that's the main element for Ukraine to obtain the final security guarantee, and that's being part of NATO. uh,
3: Well,
5: yeah, that's the main one. And I think think everyone understands that that ending the war is the the main element. You don't have to underestimate that all of our countries are are doing a very delicate balancing act of supporting and full-on supporting a country that is at war with Russia. But we ourselves do not want to be at war with Russia ourselves. It would not be to the benefit of anyone. We have to stay outside of this war, but be able to support Ukraine we manage that balancing, that very delicate balancing act for the last 17 months, it's in the benefit of everyone that we maintain that balancing act. Not, of course, and that, that's totally logical. I mean, NATO is a security alliance where we pool our military resources. One of the basic conditions, of course, is that there is enough democratic oversight on the usage of military force. That's the basis of a military alliance. And making sure that everyone is in line with that and, and respects those conditions, that's the basic element of, uh, of NATO. And I'm quite sure that Ukraine will be able to comply with those guarantees. But making sure that they are, I think it's a legitimate condition. Sorry, can you repeat? Well, I think that what we've been doing over the last still, months is a lot okay, of military supplies, a lot of things on the, okay. on, the, on, the, on the short term. I think now it's evolving more into military programs. Um. Military programs which are multi-year, which also have an industrial uh, dimension okay. and, and which could be something where c- other countries could join. We're looking forward to what the G7 countries might present today. And from a Belgian perspective, and I know that a lot of my colleagues look at it that way as well, this is something that we will investigate and see in which way we could cooperate uh, in that uh, as well. But the more structural, long term perspective of a military program is definitely a step forward related to the military deliveries that we have done uh, up to now.
0: That's um, Alexander de Crewe, who is the, uh, the Belgian Prime Minister there just speaking. Uh, we, of course, spoke to him. Uh, yesterday at this press conference Um, interesting to see other leaders coming through you saw behind him the Norwegian Prime Minister walking through and of course uh, there's a man who's delighted now that uh, Finland and Sweden both in uh, NATO and uh, will be in NATO and and can work much further on that North Scandinavian coordination very interesting though hearing and as I just wanted to come back to a point that I was making before the European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen uh, came past our camera point and and took our question Is, is the issue about the stance taken uh, by Ukraine at this meeting as well and again what we've seen both in the meeting and outside the meeting is a very robust stance from President Zelensky a great deal of disappointment about the lack of a clear timetable uh, for membership uh, of NATO but very interesting as I said to you before we're getting a different tone perhaps from some of his lieutenants from Mr. Kaleiwa who I was listening to yesterday who sounded very pleased a lot of weapon systems uh, were going the way of Ukraine. I also spoke to uh, one of the key gentlemen Mr. Reznikov and uh, there you can see a, a gentleman who I spoke to yesterday, Mr. Karins. But uh, Mr. Reznikov, who is the defense the minister as well. And I asked him, I are weapon systems getting in a timely fashion, despite the promises, are, are they getting in a timely fashion United to Ukraine? Off, uh, off this is what he had to say. United. I would say that we have it in time which was discussed. And
1: the time which is possible for our partners to use it from the stocks or to starting production in their countries. So again, when you have a war, you will not have enough. You need right now. But it's a war, it's a not a show. That's that's why we really appreciate the main sentencing from our partners, especially my colleagues Minister
0: of Defense. Alexei, we will stay with you for long as it takes. So it wasn't that fascinating that Mr. Reznikov actually saying, yes, actually, I think a lot of those promises and the weaponry are getting to the battlefield in a timely fashion, which is something I didn't necessarily expect to hear as well. And it slightly odds with the very hard line we're uh, hearing uh, from the Ukrainian president on, on the broader NATO issue. i just tell you who's talking here, Christianis Karens. I'm not going to take this sound at the moment um, here because uh, we already had a, a very long interview of him last night. And uh, uh, he said very, very interesting comments, both on and off camera, I have to say, as well. Um, very interesting speaking to the Latvian Prime Minister yesterday evening. Let me hand it back to you, Karen, for now.
2: Steve, yes, I just wanted to bring up China because it was interesting in the communique yesterday that NATO was not just talking about the current war and how we respond in Europe and how NATO responds, but also talking about the next concern, and that is China very much spelt out that effectively uh, the People's Republic of China has challenged NATO's interests, security, values and with its ambitious and coercive policies. And if we think about the links here, I think a lot of Europeans feel as though there were grey areas left on the map in Europe, some ambiguity as to how NATO and the West would respond if there were a challenge, and then an invitation that had been issued about 15 years ago to Georgia and to Ukraine to join NATO, but effectively left in a waiting room. Now there are concerns about what China has been doing, and this is very off-grid sort of activities. The, the dead instruments that have been used to influence countries, strategic interests with very resource-rich countries, So, of course, uh, concerns around spying, using technology, and even balloons. So concerns about how NATO should respond to that issue. I think it's, it's fascinating that we're talking about the here and now, but also the future for NATO, Steve.
0: Around the Karen, you make some very important points, and it's a point, uh, dare I say, I preempted with yet another interview last night, which I'm sure you yeah. eagle-eyed viewers were so watching Capital Connection first thing this morning, but uh, yeah. I actually spoke to um, uh, an important player in the Western Alliance in the Australasian Oceania region as well, and that was Chris Hipkins, uh, who is the newish Prime Minister, of course, down in New Zealand, uh, and we talked a lot about NATO, about broader Western allies, uh, and about the role of NATO or otherwise in that part of the region so what I'll do is I'll bring you some Chris Hipkins tape a little bit later on but safe to say um, he was talking a lot about values and the importance of standing up to authoritarian regimes and having strong alliances we talked a little bit about whether NATO was the right medium for that of course and there is concern within NATO that actually it shouldn't blur the lines, so to speak on this front as well President Macron is one who is keen not to expand NATO's formal remit uh, in Asia in indo-pacific in broader australasia as well Um, but what i'll do is i'll bring a little bit of that chris hipkins tape a little bit later on because i thought it was fascinating a that the new zealand prime minister is here along with a lot of other uh, regional leaders including of course the japanese including the south koreans as well but interesting that they were talking about broader relationships but not necessarily under the nato umbrella so your, your question is well placed Karen.